This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles tonight. We're going to go to the book of Acts and continue our series there. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. As you're turning there, there are so many important reasons why we should know the book of Acts. I mentioned this morning attending a church reunion uh, recently. I'm so thankful for my home church in Illinois. Uh, but I'm thankful for the ministry, uh, the philosophy of ministry that I also learned there. Though as a young man, I just thought this is the way you do church, right? But now I realize that a wise pastor and what he was doing was absolutely biblical. And uh, there's no perfect church, and, and yet God used that to help form uh, me, uh, uh, my mind about ministry. And as a sophomore in high school, God called me to preach in a preacher boy class that my youth pastor had. He had taught us how to lead singing, how to prepare messages, and, uh, and I'm so thankful uh, for that training. But it's important we know from Scripture what a church ought to be because we're living in a day where there are more and more versions of church out there, right? Uh, wow. Wow. All kinds of flavors, and that's okay when it comes to ice cream, but when it comes to church, you're not going to find that in the book of Acts. Now, every church, different group of people, takes on a little of its own personality, and certainly uh, the pastor affects that. But there's only one way to have a New Testament church, and that is follow the New Testament. So the book of Acts helps us with that. It gives us some wonderful insight into what the bride expects from the bridegroom. Now the last time we were in the book of Acts, we examined a difficult passage in chapter 5 where God takes the lives of a husband and wife for lying to the Holy Spirit. That was a day they will never forget. People are bringing offerings. Somebody lied at their offering, and perhaps the ushers became undertakers. Wow. We looked at that. It's a difficult text for a couple of reasons. First of all, how does a person lie to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is all-knowing and all-seeing? How do you lie to the Holy Spirit? And we took time to examine that, didn't we? When a believer pretends that he or she is spirit-controlled and claims their actions are from him, his leading, his enablement, they are acting like they can deceive the Lord and get away with it when they're not being honest. They're lying to the Holy Spirit. Now, he is never deceived by any of us. But we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we can get something past him. How foolish. Secondly, it's a difficult passage because 
Honestly, we have to ask, was the punishment equal to the sin? Aren't you thankful God doesn't respond to us every time that way? Be kind of interesting. Who's going to show up at church this week? Right? Was the punishment equal to the sin? Well, obviously, God thought so, so it was the right thing. We don't have to question that. But the punishment was needed to communicate a vital lesson. The Holy Spirit wants to empower his church. In fact, he commands us, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. It's not an option for you and me because in this flesh we can't do anything profitable. We need his enablement. He expects every Christian to yield and to be obedient. However, the greatest threat to the church is when we pretend God has worked and he has not. Church work is the Spirit's work. That's why we've entitled this series, Global Power, or Gospel Power, Global Impact. Now, why did God give us this text? Well, in the scripture, you know this biblical principle, but let me remind you of it. When you see first mentions of things, when there are first things that happen, that's significant. And God often uses those first things to form our attitudes, to help us see what, what he is doing. And those firsts are important. So in the early church, yielding to the Holy Spirit, everything in the church being done through the Spirit's power, that is important. But this is the first time in the book of Acts that someone is pretending that that's happening, but they're being deceitful. And God stopped it. What a lesson. It's not for show. And how others think of us and our spirituality, what matters is what God knows us to be. Amen? So the greatest threat to the church is when we pretend God has worked and he is not. Now notice that God... Uh, God's intended result happened in chapter 5, verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. In other words, the news spread, and it spread rapidly. Through the church, outside the church. Lenski points out that this was not fear of the apostles. Make sure that you understand it. Well, now they fear Peter. No, 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 no. Wasn't about that. Okay. But the spirit before whom the lies found in every heart are open to view. And who, the spirit, is able to smite the sinner in the very midst of his sin. So this was fear of the Lord. The one who we depend on, the one who enables us, we need to fear him. We need to reverence him. The rest of the church and many outside the church got the point. The lesson was learned, and now class can be adjourned to get back to Great Commission work. Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power for what purpose? After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And the Lord, with this distraction, in fact, it was from Satan, right? Peter said, 
Why have you allowed Satan to put this in your heart? This problem is corrected, and now it's time to get back to work. Satan had interfered. Necessary chastening followed, but the church now was back on track for the Holy Spirit to do his mighty work. And so look now at Acts 5 and verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, dare no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. I want to take our, the title for tonight's message from the last part of verse 13. The people magnified them. I've entitled our message tonight, Magnified Ministry. Please understand, we're not talking about people looking at a church like Good News or the church in Jerusalem and going, wow, that's really something. Look at that. It's not about that. It's God being magnified through his church. His glory. That's what matters. But here's what's important. As Jesus is high and lifted up, as he's magnified, people are drawn to him. And so magnified ministry, to get at the attention of others, is so that they're drawn to the Lord. So from this text, we learn something very important about church ministry. Churches today want to be relevant. What's that mean? Well, they want to be useful to the current times. In fact, some will even name their church Relevant Church. Say, do they do that? There's one in Virginia Beach, okay? Now, I don't know anything about the church. I didn't even get on their website. I, I just know there's a relevant church. But we need to see the only relevant church is a spirit-controlled church. He makes us useful. He makes us relevant. By the way, the world doesn't get to define relevant. And that's the problem because some churches want to follow that model to feel like they're useful to the world. And if that's your thinking, you're as irrelevant as the Oscars. Nothing that happens with that is important. Okay? But, are you listening? It draws a crowd. By the way, a circus draws a crowd. There's no spiritual benefit in there. Now, how do we know that only a spirit-controlled church is relevant? As we consider what was happening in this text, the end of verse 13 says, the people magnified them. Again, spirit-controlled, people are watching and the people, this is speaking of the unbelievers, magnified them. The Greek word for magnified means that the church became large and significant in the minds of those who are watching them. What did they see? Spirit power. Change. We'll see later in the text tonight. People who were sick 
are well. And oh, by the way, there's already a guy in Jerusalem. Remember the lame man back in chapter 3? He gets healed. And he gets the attention of everybody. Now there's more healing that's going to take place. If you heard in the news somebody legitimately found a cure for cancer, would you think that was relevant? Well, something's happening in Jerusalem again. Jesus is back in heaven. But it's happening again where people are being healed. Relevant. But it's the Holy Spirit's power that's causing that. Now, this wasn't mere popularity or curiosity, though this existed just like in the days of our Lord, right? When he was on the earth. Outsiders understood there was something powerful and real about Jesus because of what he was doing again through the lives of believers who loved him and served him. Do you know how we can be relevant to this world? Have the spirit of God on our, uh, or the power of God on our lives. And so magnified ministry. Now what exactly was causing the ministry of the church in Jerusalem to arrest the attention of the neighbors? Well, magnified ministry begins with this. Unity in worship and prayer. Unity in worship and prayer. Look at the end of verse 12 again. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Have we seen that before? Yes. Daily they would meet up on the temple mount for worship and prayer. That's where Peter and John were headed the day that the lame man was healed. And he's up there and he's praising God and jumping around on new legs and people all come together. What is we remember him. He used to lay down at the at the bottom of those stairs. What what has happened here? And the power of God set the stage for another preaching time. Multitudes were saved. But how did it begin? Unity and worship and prayer. You'll remember that this is where this section of the narrative started. Again, chapter 3, all the way to where we're at tonight. Once again, they are gathered to pray and worship. They're right with God. They're pleading for God to work. They're praising the Lord together. And he is magnified. That's where magnified ministry begins. Again, we're talking about ministry that magnifies the Lord and through that arrests the attention and grows the significance of that in the minds of unbelievers. Can I just pause here for a moment and remind you that spirit-filled music does the same thing? When we're worshiping the Lord, spirit-filled music does the same thing. What do we read in Psalm 40? He hath put a new song in our mouth. Even praise unto our God, many shall hear it. Help me, I heard you say it. They'll see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Music in church is not about drawing a crowd. It's about exalting through worship that is appropriate to his name, music that exalts him and glorifies him. We're singing to a Savior, not our lover. 
And when we exalt him, they see the genuineness of their, it grips of that, it grips their heart. Again, the unity of worship and prayer. So that's where it started, again, here in the text. And you're going to see repeated emphases through this book. Secondly, next there was the miracle power of the Spirit. By the spear, verse 12, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. No one could miss what God was doing, verse 15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. Literally, the original language there says, they brought the sick into every street. Some of us have been to old Jerusalem. There's not enough room in those streets to bring many people. And so what they were doing in the city was they were filling the streets with sick people, right? And laid them on beds and couches. And watch what happens next. That at the least, the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Why was that important? The shadow falling and people were being healed. Again, do you think that's getting anybody's attention in Jerusalem? Why? Because these are just, these are amazing people. No, they serve an amazing God. Do you ever remember in the ministry of Jesus, his shadow falling on someone and healing them? Yes or no? You're having to, you're going to have to think, No. You don't read of that. So when it happens with the apostles, and, and, and you can double check it. If you find differently, come see me and I'll, I'll recant, okay? Uh, I, I haven't found that. Remember Jesus said, and greater works than I have done you will do. Here you go. But who is really doing the work? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And so he was now doing through the apostles these miracles. This was more authentication that these men were of God, that their message must be believed. And the word began to spread outside of Jerusalem. Verse 16, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And what's the next two words? Every one. That's power. You know what that's saying? It didn't work for 70% of the people. It didn't work for 85 Everyone who came and was sick was healed. Now this demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power through the apostles also protected the church. Do you know what the greatest protection for a local church like ours is? Again, people that are unified in worship and prayer and have the power of the Spirit of God on their lives. There's great protection there. For one thing, there's great spiritual discernment. But the power of God brings protection. And here's another way that there's protection. These miracles, along with the death of Ananias and Sapphira, caused unbelievers to be cautious 
and to take stock. Verse 13, again, and of the rest dared no man join himself to them. Hey, let's go be a member of that church. Whoa, 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 not so fast. Whatever's happening there is supernatural. You can't pretend there and get away with it. So the curious, the insincere, the uncommitted were not going to pretend to be part of this assembly of Christians, but they paid close attention to them. So good news, there is no shortcut to having the Holy Spirit's power. It just isn't. I'm thankful for the demonstrations of God's power that we see here. But do you know why that happens? God is choosing to work through people who pray together, worship together, and are yielded to him. Now don't answer this out loud. Do we have enough of the Spirit's power here? And I would answer that just by saying to the degree that every member of this assembly determines to walk in the Spirit. You get the sense from these accounts in the book of Acts that everyone was committed to walking in the Spirit. Now certainly there were those that, that had just newly been saved in their learning and, and, and every Christian fails the Lord. We all sin. Okay, but God had a hold on this church. Devoted yieldedness in our gathering for worship and prayer is the answer if we're to see the hand of God at work in our neighbor's lives. And finally tonight, magnified ministry was the result of multiplied souls saved. Multiplied souls say, look at verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Once again, we, we see thousands saved here and thousands saved here, and here we are, multitudes. Why? Because Peter was such a great preacher. Well, he was a good preacher, but he was a spirit-controlled preacher. And believers were gathering together to beseech the Lord. They were worshiping him. They were letting God have his way in every part of their lives. Now, as in the earthly ministry of our Lord, the miracles were for the purpose of validating his person as the Son of God and his work in saving lost souls. Now, this is the first time since Pentecost that we're told something, and I don't know if you noticed it in the text, but it's significant. This is the first time we're told women were converted. Now, does that mean that at Pentecost, no women were saved? Well, of course they were saved. These other times, yes, women were being saved during these times, but I think, again, remember the principle of first mention. Yes, other, at other times of preaching, women were saved, but the Holy Spirit is showing us here the significant role that women were meant to play in the church. 
Now this happens right on the heels of Sapphira dying. So ladies, God can use you to have significant influence. Remember when Ananias comes before Peter and Peter, the Holy Spirit's told him, this guy's lying to you. He confronts him. Uh, Ananias sticks to his story. Down he goes. Three hours later, wife shows up. I think Peter also knew from the Holy Spirit. He, Peter wasn't infinite in his knowledge. He wasn't all-knowing. But that the Lord had told him, these two are in, let me use another Greek word, cahoots. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit graciously gave Ananias, or Sapphira an opportunity to say, now, she didn't even know what's happened to her husband. But at that moment, she could have said, you know, here's what we sold it for and here's what we're giving. It's not the same amount. By the way, she would have lived. But the Lord could have used her to say to husband, this doesn't please the Lord. This isn't right. She could have said that graciously. I think the outcome would have been different, but she went along. She went along. Now, she is at this point in heaven. I think we're going to meet Ananias and Sapphira. Okay? She's in heaven. But we're reminded that, that women in the church can be used of the Lord or negative things can happen, just like with men. Okay? But the point is, at this, at this time, just like the Lord is validating uh, the, the ministry of Christ through the apostles, you know what else he's doing? He's validating the importance of women in the body of Christ. Thank God for you sisters and how God is using you here. Do you know that Luke, the human author of this book, 12 times mentions women and their significant role in the local church? Here's first mention. So ladies, you can pray and worship and have the power of God on your life as much as any man. And I can take you to the scripture and prove that. God can mightily, mightily use you, and he intends to. The local church needs you. And we should not assume Christians didn't bring in their sick neighbors. We're getting back now to multiple, uh, multiplied souls saved. I think that it wasn't just the neighbor saying, I've got a sick neighbor. I, I'm, I'm hearing about things happening in Jerusalem. Let's take the, the neighbor and, and see what happens. I think Christians were going out, were gathering them, bringing in the sick so that they could be healed, and that would strengthen their faith then to also believe on the Lord Jesus. The point is this, multiplication in the church through the power or through the prayer-filled devotion of Christians and the demonstration of the Spirit's power with the gospel witness will result in magnified ministry. If we will commit ourselves to sharing our story, as we were reminded about in missions conference, if we'll commit ourselves 
to worship the Lord, pray, walk with the Lord, be yielded to him so that his power can work through us. And I think that's why many Christians don't witness. They just don't have his power. You need his power to overcome your fear and get behind yourself to go share the vital gospel with others. But when we do, if we would commit ourselves to share our story, here's how the Lord saved me. He wants to save you. Would you like to be saved? If we would do that, it would magnify Christ and magnify this assembly, what God is doing here for his glory in the minds of others. Thinking back over my ministry, uh, I can think about folks that were witness to, that were one to Christ, and the impact that made in a community. When I pastored in Whitewater, Wisconsin, at the time there were 12,000 residents. And that little Baptist church on the hill in the past had not had a good reputation. It was an old conservative Baptist church. They fought amongst themselves. Horrible testimony in the community. I would tell people they came out of the conservative Baptist movement, but the conservative Baptist movement didn't come out of them. And there was nothing conservative or Baptist about the way they functioned. But God began to do a work in that assembly. People started getting saved. There was a woman who was running around on her husband. She was a waitress at one of the most popular restaurants in town. She had been raised in that community. Everybody knew who she was, and it wasn't good. Until a couple of our ladies heard about her and went and visited her and led her to Christ. Well, her husband was ready to throw her out in a snowbank. He had had enough of her. And so God gave me the opportunity uh, on, a, on a visitation night. I set up an appointment with him, went over, sat down with him, and I said to him, I said, Mark, do you have a Bible? Never forget, he goes, yeah, I think I do. And he went back in the room, and he got his family Catholic Bible. And he brought it out on the, on the coffee table. I opened his Catholic Bible. The gospel's there. And I led him through the Romans road. And that night, Mark was gloriously saved. Well, the ladies that led Shar to the Lord started to disciple her. She started to grow. Her life radically changed. Mark got discipled. He started to grow. He decided to keep her. And after nine years of pastoring that church, when God moved us on, Mark was teaching Sunday school and he was one of our deacons. And Shar was leading other women in town to the Lord and helping them be discipled. All three of their sons went to Bible college and they're serving the Lord today. But it, why do I share that story? Well, the power of God. But I share that because in the community, people were taking note. Now, they weren't running to be a part of our church. What's, what's happening there? You know, 
but we had their attention. And more people were getting saved. Uh, we had another woman that came to Christ. In fact, I had the privilege of leading this husband and wife uh, to the Lord, and they admitted to me later, you'd come over and, and we'd have Bible study. They, she, she had a very rough and abusive background. Uh, his dad was a Chicago police officer, and he ran with the gangs. They, the two of them got together, ended up living in town. We got to lead in the Lord. They admitted to me, the pastor, after we got saved, we were struggling. We'd, we'd have Bible study together, and when you'd leave, we'd smoke pot. I'm like, okay, I didn't need to know that, but all right, thanks, thanks for letting me know. All right. God started growing them, faithful in the church. One day they came to me and they said, we've got a problem. The wife, Catholic background, there had been such a radical change in their lives. They said, we've got a problem. Our family would prefer to have the old us. They, they, they think we're part of a cult, and they would rather that we go back to the, the drugs and the alcohol they, they would prefer that because what's happening in our lives is scaring them. Now, I, I don't think any, either side of their family, any of those folks came to Christ. In fact, the, the wife, uh, her uncle ran one of the bars downtown. Uh, and, and as a police chaplain, we were having to deal with that mess all the time because the college students frequented that place. But, but they were afraid... Because how do you explain this radical change? Well, the change was Jesus Christ. Now, in a smaller community, there's obviously more uh, awareness. But folks, that's, that's what God can do. And that's what God wants to do in our corner of Chesapeake. And by the way, in your neighborhood... And in your workplace. Now, where did it all start in the text? And I'll close. It all started with believers assembling together. And by the way, Hebrews does say, right, as we get closer to the Lord's return, do it more. Now, why? Because we need it more. We need the encouragement of each other. But don't you think there needs to be a greater demonstration of the Spirit's power that is reaching our world for Christ as we get closer to the trumpet sounding yes or no? That's the point of the text. So every Christian wants to feel that what they're doing for the Lord is relevant. Significant, useful. The temptation today is to look at large churches with big buildings, full parking lots, and to think that we need to be like them because that's relevant. Says who? Remember, in fact, Paul's warning to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap uh, to themselves, teachers having itching ears. I used to think that the teacher had an itching ear. No, no, no. They have itching ears, and that teacher knows how to scratch it. Ooh, that feels good. I'll do that again. 
And so there are places where thousands gather to hear a guy who smiles real big and never mentions sin. It's not of Christ. And what's Paul go on to say to Timothy? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. No, instead, magnified ministry is God's people united in biblical worship and prayer where hypocrisy is rooted out, where the Holy Spirit can do his powerful work resulting in the multiplication of souls being genuinely converted through gospel proclamation. That's magnified ministry. May God help us to have that kind of ministry here at Good News Baptist Church. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this text. Most believers here, especially my adult brothers and sisters in Christ, have read over this text multiple times. And Lord, I confess I have too, but thank you for Holy Spirit just bringing it to light and for graciously showing us tonight what you want to do here. Lord, the book of Acts wasn't just a flash in the pan. Now, there are some firsts that are not going to be repeated anymore in this church age, but the power of God has not changed. And so tonight, would you help us to magnify you by yielding to your spirit in our lives so that personally and as an assembly of believers, there's magnified ministry, ministry that magnifies you. Uh, Lord, we're weak, but you are strong. We are more than conquerors through you. Thank you for loving us. Now, Father, as the service closes out tonight, would you help us to recommit ourselves to prayer, worship, yieldedness, denying the flesh and yielding to you, blessed spirit, so that you can do a mighty work here. We long for that. We want you to be glorified. And Lord, we long for our families and our neighbors to be saved. So God, would you do that here? And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.